Well, hello everyone and welcome to our special Memorial Day service here. Uh, as you can see, we're here at the Patton, uh, General Patton Memorial Museum here up in Sirocco Summit. So as we're going through this, you may hear a, literally a tank go by. Uh, you may have some people that are wandering through or you may hear some noises outside. So just know we're literally on site here. And, and, and I have to tell you, I'm so, it's, it's really an honor for me because you see my dad served in World War II. Uh, he was a Taft Sergeant under General Patton. Okay, uh, my dad was helped lead a platoon from uh, no North Africa, eventually after three years all the way across Europe. And my dad eventually wound up with, with his men in Dachau. So uh, what was fortunate was my dad made it home, but others didn't paying the ultimate price for our freedom. You know, as you drive around America, you can find memorials to our heroes everywhere. And I'd like to share a story on one of them right now this morning. World War II produced so many heroes. One such man was Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. He was a fighter pilot assigned to the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific. Well, the story goes that one day his entire squadron was sent on a mission. After he was airborne, he looked at his fuel gauge and realized that someone had forgotten to top off his fuel. He wouldn't have enough fuel to complete the mission and, and be able to get back to the ship. So he called the flight leader, told and his flight leader, said, hey, you better get back to the carrier. So unfortunately, he turned around, dropped out of formation, and he headed back to the fleet. Well, as he was returning to the mother ship, he saw something that turned his blood cold. A squadron of Japanese aircraft were speeding their way towards the American fleet. And there was only one thing to do. He must somehow divert them from the fleet. So laying aside all thoughts of personal safety, he dove into the formation of the Japanese planes. Wing-mounted 50 calibers blazed as he charged in, attacking one surprise enemy plane after another. Butch, they said, he wove in and out, and now of this broken formation, it kept firing as at many planes as he possibly could until all of his ammunition was spent. But it didn't end there. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove at the planes trying to clip their wings or their tails in hopes of damaging them so the planes would have to return to where they came from. Finally, the story goes that the Japanese were just so exasperated that they actually took off in another direction. Well, deeply, I mean, Butch O'Hare and his tattered fighter limped back to the carrier. Upon arrival, he reported to everybody of what just had happened to him. And what's really amazing is the film from the gun camera mounted on his plane actually told the tale. It showed the extent of Butch's daring attempt to protect his fleet. He had, in fact, destroyed five enemy aircraft. This took place on February 20th, 1942. And for that action, Butch became, you ready? The Navy's first ace of World War II and the first naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. A year later, though, Butch was killed in an aerial combat at the age of 29. But you see, his hometown would not allow the memory of this World War hero to fade. And today, O'Hare Airport in Chicago is named in tribute to the courage of this man. You see, Butch O'Hare was one of thousands of thousands of men and women who have stood in the gap between freedom and tyranny and have given their life for all of our freedom. You know, in March 1775, Patrick Henry was at the Second Virginia Convention and he made a motion that Virginia forms a standing army to fight in the Revolutionary War. 
And in his speech to the other elected officials, he said this, I know not what course others may take, and I know you all know this line, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And I believe this is the heart of all those heroes who have died for our country ever since. You see, these men and women who stand in the gap between liberty and tyranny, you know, that's who they are. Tomorrow is officially designated as the holiday marked in many communities by a variety of solemn observances. All across the United States, people are gonna gather in parks, cemeteries to commemorate the day that symbolizes this. Bands are gonna play, speeches are gonna be given, prayers will be offered up to God, taps will be played, guns will be fired as a salute to those whom all our nation seeks to remember on this day. From Valley Forge to Berlin, San Juan Hill to Heartbreak Ridge, from Iwo Jima to Saigon, Desert Storm to Fallujah, the blood of American soldiers is permanently mingled with the soil of four continents and hundreds of islands. You see, Memorial Day is our attempt to remember and say thank you to those who gave their best and all they had that we might continue to enjoy the liberties that are ours. So on behalf of CRD, let me honor our heroes today, okay? Let me just honor you, I wanna thank you. On behalf of CRD, to thank you for all of you, who especially those families who had to pay the ultimate sacrifice. You know, a little bit of history. Do you know our present celebration of this day came out of the Civil War? Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Do you know in 1865, shortly after the close of the war, some women came into Vicksburg, Mississippi to choose May 30th as the day to place flowers upon the graves of their war dead. The practice of choosing a special day to decorate the graves of the war, of the war dead soon spread both to the north and the south and actually became known as Decoration Day. And in 1868, a group of women in Washington asked permission of the War Department, could they decorate the graves at Arlington National Cemetery and to be allowed to have, just have a special ceremony, memorial ceremony, to mark the occasion. Well, after a lot of discussion, permission was granted, but the officials attached a harsh provision. They said no flowers were to be placed on the graves of the Confederate soldiers who were buried in a separate section of the cemetery. Well, the ladies finally agreed. They planned, uh, they went ahead and planned their program. General James Garfield, a devout Christian who later became president of the United States, he delivered that memorial speech. And in accordance with their agreement, flowers were placed only on the graves of the Union dead, not upon the graves in the Confederate section. But this is a really cool part. After the crowds were gone, a strong wind arose and blew almost all the flowers, you ready? Over onto the Confederate graves. And when this became known, many people believed that it was actually a direct result of God's intervention and that the order to ignore the Confederate graves was never repeated again. Amazing, right? Just amazing. Now, now, of course, because of that, it's now called Memorial Day. And it's observed as a day to honor the fallen of all our nation wars, a time when our country pauses to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we all enjoy. We owe them and all those who served with them far more than we can ever really realize. You see, the key to Memorial Day is remembering. You know, and it made me think of the author of the book of Hebrews, 
calls us in chapter 12 to remember that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. He actually says in Hebrews 12, he says, therefore, since also we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which is so easily entangles us and let's run with endurance. That race which is set before all of us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and the perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, if you, I mean, you stop and think for a moment, by the Apostle Paul beginning that passage with the word, therefore, he's intentionally calling our attention back to the heroes of our faith who are mentioned in the previous verses in chapter 11. Chapter 11, for those of you that don't know, it's just called the great faith chapter of the Bible. If you've never read it, I encourage you to do it. But let me just look back a little bit right now. Chapter 11. And I want you to notice some of the names that he's asking us to remember. There's Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. But then he goes on in verses 32 and 34 in chapter 11. He says, and what more can I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephetiah, of David, of Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire, of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weaknesses. They were made strong. They became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Friends, Many of these people were just ordinary individuals of faith, but they were used by God in extraordinary ways to accomplish his will. I mean, do you see, God makes a habit of doing the impossible through people who are not much different than you and me. I think this is important, don't miss this. The secret of living a life that makes a difference is realizing that it's not what you do for yourself, but it's rather what you allow God to do for others through you. Did you catch that? That's the secret of life, allowing God to do through you for others. This is how we make a difference in the world. This is how we make a lasting impact. So this morning, on the eve of Memorial Day, I want to talk a little bit about the early history of our nation that, you know, most Americans don't know. Here are some things that are worth knowing about the roots of our nation. We're actually going to talk about what's right about America. You see, America was founded by men and women who acknowledged God's supreme rule over men and nations. And believe me, they weren't perfect and they weren't all Christians, but they all acknowledged that God was the supreme ruler over men and over nations. Now, sometime, I encourage you, sometime you ought to read again the Declaration of Independence. I mean, you really should. Most of you, though, are familiar with the prologue, right? We all know the prologue. Let me just read part of it here for you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Did you catch it? You hear what they're saying? They're saying, we want a form of government whose job it is to protect what the Creator has given to each of us. And then after listing about 15 or 16 charges against the actions of the king, they make two more references to God. 
It says, we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled. Are you ready? Now I want you to listen to this next statement. This is what it says. They said, uh, we're appealing to the supreme judge of the world. In the Declaration of Independence, they're saying that God is the supreme judge of the world. And then they end their declaration with these words. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, that's God, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The First Continental Congress was deadlocked, discussing and debating the wording of the Declaration of Independence. And finally, you ready for this? It was suggested that they all get on their knees and ask God what should be done. And these 55 signers of the Declaration of Independence went to their knees as one man, and they began to pray and seek the wisdom and the guidance of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful today? If our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court, if they would just get down on their knees, like our forefathers did, and just say, God, what do you want to do with this nation? What do you want us to do? You know, in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, he writes that God is looking for someone who will stand up for what is right, to be the hero that's needed. This is what it says. He goes, I search for a man among them who would build a, a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. And God goes, but I haven't found anyone. Friends, the people of Israel had turned away from God. They had become a people of sin and depravity. They had enjoyed freedom and they had enjoyed peace as long as they were living and being the nation that God had intended them to be. God said that he could find, you ready? He said, no one. You couldn't find anyone to stand in the gap. God had given them their freedom from bondage in Egypt. He had brought them safety through the desert into the land that was flowing with milk and honey. As they, but they went ahead and just squandered the rights that God had given them. And he was taken his hand off, he took his hand of protection off of them. All because, I hope you're catching this, no one would stand up for what is right and true. No one would stand in the gap. And because of that, the nation of Israel and Judea were both eventually defeated. They were sent into exile to other nations. All this happened because there was no one to stand in the gap. So friends, while we honor our heroes for protecting our liberties, which include our religious freedoms, we are in need of people who will stand in the gap for our faith, for our Christian faith. Listen, friends, we don't want to go down the same path of destruction that the Israelites walked through, right? We don't want to do that. Uh, I mean, if we do not have brave individuals who are willing to stand in the gap and fight for our faith, can I tell you, our future in this country is going to be becoming very unwelcoming. We were founded on principles of freedom of religion that were derived from the God of the Bible. So don't miss this. We get our freedom from God. This is where our unalienable rights come from, not the government. We're becoming so concerned that we don't offend anyone that we let our faith get trampled upon in, in the disguise of tolerance. Friends, we need some heroes to stand in the gap for our faith, to model our Christian faith, and to be prepared to defend our faith. You know, the apostle Peter tells us how to do this, how to stand in the gap. 
Peter writes that we're to, he tells you, you need to be courageous. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, he writes, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. That's what he says. Don't fear their intimidation and don't be in dread. You know, he's basically saying, we should not be afraid of threats from unbelievers. He's telling us, be strong, be courageous. And then in verse 15, he really gets to the heart of the matter. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for that hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Peter's saying, share your faith. Tell them about God. You know, there was this little boy who was drawing a picture and his kindergarten teacher uh, asked him what he was drawing. And he says, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher goes, uh, but no one knows what God looks like. And the little boy goes, they will when I'm done. You see, friends, share Jesus with people. They want to know what God looks like. You be the hands and feet. You be the Jesus. So that people, when you're finished, they will know and understand just who he is. Share your faith of hope, as Peter stated. There may be a price for standing in the gap. For, you know, might be a... You know, there's probably a price to stand in the gap. Some are not going to accept what you tell them, okay? Some may ridicule you and even try to hurt you in some way. But look at how Peter ends this section. In verse 17, he says, For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. Don't miss this, friends. Our military stands in the gap for our freedom here in this country. And we must stand in the gap for our faith here in this country and around the world. Tomorrow, remember those who have sacrificed their lives for our freedom. And friends, always remember the one who sacrificed his life for all of our salvation. We must be strong and we have to stand in the gap and defend what we know to be true. So in close, friends, another don't miss this. Never forget this. We get our freedom from God. Our independence comes from our dependence on him. So let me leave you with this. Do you know what the tallest structure in Washington, D.C. is? Do you? Well, it's the Washington Monument. And by law, did you know nothing taller than the Washington Mon Monument can be built there? But how about this? Do you know what's inscribed at the pinnacle of the Washington Monument? Do you know there's words? In scripture up, up there, you know what it says at the top? Let God be praised. The very top of the Washington Monument facing the sky. Can I tell you, there are many legislators who don't know that. And there's probably been presidents who don't know that. And there may even be Supreme Court justices who don't know that. But at the very top, the pinnacle of our nation's capital city are those words. Let God be praised. America. On this Memorial Day, lift up your eyes and praise God for the greatness and the blessings of this country in which we live. And may all those who come, for all those who come from behind us, find us faithful. So let us just pray here. So Father, I just, uh, we wanna thank you for the tremendous country that you've given us. We wanna thank you for the courage and the strength that you've given to all those men and women who have fought and are fighting now for our freedom. 
for the courage and the strength that you instill upon all those who are out there fighting for our faith, fighting to share the tremendous message and the freedom and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing in. May your hand, please Lord, never take your hand off this country. We thank you for the United States of America. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you all.